Welcome, welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I am joined as always by my partner. Hey there, partners. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bad Tribble there. And as you may have ascertained from Lynn's accent, no, he's not having some type of fit. and It's unnecessary to do a wellness check on him. He's actually getting in the spirit of Black History Month here on the Michelle Mission. And Black History Month means Westerns. We're going to oh, yeah. Again, it's okay. He doesn't need a hard candy. Nor does he smell popcorn. It's okay. We're going to start our month with 1939's Harlem Rides the Range, starring mm-hmm. Herb Jeffries, Lucius Banks, and featuring the screenwriter F.E. Miller, famously of the comic duo Miller and Lyles. But before we get to that, Lynn, I believe we have some business. We always got business. I can't keep this up. We always got business. Oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate the commitment, but I really was hoping you weren't going to do that the whole episode. (laughs) I might bring it back for the review. Um, But anyway, (laughs) but first... We always have business, and first and foremost, we want to thank each and every one of you out there watching us streaming live on Facebook as well as on YouTube. I see you all, Robert Monroe Jr., Miss Makiba, Deborah Battle, Aaron Fry. What's up, everybody? Hope everybody is doing well. Especially each and every one of you who are on the East Coast where we were expecting tons (laughs) of snow. They, they, They were calling for something like about Anywhere from six to ten inches here in Philadelphia, um, I think we maybe got three or four. I don't oh, know. I, what a difference being across town makes! Really, it was insane over on my side. I, I was shoveling snow all day. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. I think we honestly got here, if I'm being honest, we probably got about four or five inches. Yeah, we we were right at a foot. Get out of here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you are up on the hill, Chestnut Hill. Right, right. It was was wild over on my side. Oh, man. I'm sorry, bro. Hey, man, look. Well, wait a minute. Uh, I I I realized because we were talking before the show. Today is your son's your son's birthday. Happy yes, birthday yes, to, yes. It is. Yes, it Adam. is. Didn't you give him uh, buy him the celebratory shovel so that he can come outside and help you shovel? <laughs> no, no. My daughter came outside and helped for fifteen minutes, and then she was sore. She was sore. <laughs> she got sore, like she was sore. So, so that was it. So she yeah, basically nah, nah. did the steps, and that was it. Right, right. She was sore. She got sore. Oh man, oh man. I I know you cannot wait for that magical age. L- oh. Let me ask. Let me ask you, because my father indoctrinated me into the world of shoveling, raking leaves, mm-hmm. and 
and um, shoveling, raking leaves. What else? That did cleaning gutters, all yes. that stuff. Cutting I, grass. Cu- cutting. The, that's what it was. Mowing. Mowing yeah, the oh, lawn. Yeah. I got indoctrinated into that world, inducted into that world, probably about the age of I think about thirteen is when I started, and it all it all started with raking the leaves. Okay. So. Uh, which is to this day is the one thing I hate. I will shovel snow all day. I can't stand raking leaves. Right, so, right. What age have you earmarked as the age in which Adam will be given his turn to take hold of the? Uh, that you trip? know, I I don't know because I must have been shoveling snow and stuff by the time I was ten or eleven. Because okay. by the time I was 13, I was hustling. Okay, okay. Like like a day like today, I would have made some money. All right, all right. You well. know, sh- you know, shoveling shoveling sidewalks and 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 lawns were absolutely my hustle until I got a driver's license and got a job job. Mm. Mm. So, you know, certainly by the time I was in and not to what what is it? oh oh it's oh it's 5 minutes into it so we, it must be time to talk about comic books but um <laughs> but i distinctly remember like making mad dough and going right to the comic shop with it really okay yeah. see yeah. i didn't get my hustle on with shoveling snow like that and, and oh, i think oh my it, goodness and maybe it's because uh like your brother is your brother older or younger younger he's younger mm-hmm. i mean Right, right. See, my I had an older brother, so my brother was out there hustling. So I, I played in the snow. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I played to maybe to like I was around, like I said, like about twelve, thirteen years old. That's when my dad said I had to start shoveling the snow, and and raking the leaves and all that stuff around the house. The funny thing was just today, w- Wendy was teasing me a little bit because I was anxious. Like I wanted to go ahead and go out there, and she was like, well, "You know, calm down, like, like pace yourself, old man." <laughs> but in my head, I was losing the debt. Exactly, that's like, right. Like I need to go ahead and get on this so I can go make that money. Because <laughs> in my house, you know, you I had to shovel my parents' sidewalk first. Oh, okay. But then once I did that, it was yeah, game on. Yeah, and, and you know, it, you know how it is. It just seems, it seems like it's waves, and I was mm-hmm. in a wave of boys, so it was boys everywhere shoveling sidewalks. Very true. Very so true. you had to go ahead and get out there. Ah, well, we didn't. I didn't. I didn't start hustling sidewalks till I was maybe fifteen, and even then, I just didn't. I didn't. I never. I never hustled hard like that. I ain't gonna lie. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, uh, shoveling and and cutting lawns. Okay. Those were those were my big pre driving pre driving hustles. So it sounds like you're going to be giving Adam his first lawnmower when he's like about nine years old. Right, right. Like, like you know. All right, get on out here. <laughs> That's right. No, you don't be sitting in the house. You gonna yeah, come get out, on here. out here? Get on out here, and and you know, not to say that I'm sexist, but. But but my my daughter has certainly not been out there like that. 
Well, I mean, come on, man. It, let's let's just be honest. It's not necessarily sexist. It's just, I mean, there's certain things that just seems like it's the, the guy. Right, what the right. guy does, you know, the right. guy takes plus, out the trash. The guy plus Camille, along. Plus Camille was sore. She got she sore. sore. She, got she was short. sore. Very true. As <laughs> as Sharon Eldridge said, "Kids today." Indeed. I know. Indeed. I know. Indeed. And Robert Monroe Jr. said that snow days were money making days. That is it, very it was, true. It was. It was just money. It was just that that money was out there. That's so. true. Uh, we got some emails, Vince. We got All right. Uh, listener mail that that we have gotten from some of our listeners and today's email comes from matt lambert hey what's up matt uh with a movie recommendation okay he says hey y'all it's february which can only mean one thing only two months until mother may i (laughs) Oh boy, how I hate your idea for Mother May I. <laughs> what do you mean you hate? <laughs> for those new to the mission, in the month of May, we celebrate um those black films that at least on the surface, we have we have a fair <laughs> They're probably going to be bad. They're probably yes. going to be pretty bad. And thus, we dub that month, Mother, May I Have Another, one of those bad black movies. <laughs> uh, and it, it's, it seems to become, has become one it, of the it, most anticipated it, months of the year. It is a missionary favorite. It is a missionary favorite. Lambert, uh, Matt continues, I'd like to throw in a early recommendation <laughs> For 2004's You Got Served, as you might recall, this sloppy mess of a movie attempted to introduce its audience to the underground street dance scene in L.A. while somehow fumbling through a familiar and predictable storyline a la 2001's Hardball and similar movies of the era. Although it features some popular names for its time, I see it as a poorly written cash grab with terrible acting in line with other movies from that year. As I've written in before, 2004 was a big year for black films written primarily for a white audience, most notably Mm. what I've referred to as the big three, Soul Plane, The Cookout, and Johnson Family Vacation, which we reviewed last year on Mother May I. Um, If not for Ray, 2004 would be a total L for black cinema. (laughs) Would love to hear your take on this movie and that year. Peace and love, Matt. All right. Well, we've reviewed Soul Plane. We've reviewed... Johnson family vacation. We did. Um, perhaps we'll get to you, God serve. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see, Matt. We'll see, so see what we can do about that. Uh, we actually have some plans for, for May this month, so stay tuned. Uh, that might be right in line with them. It's interesting. But, but, but you got served is coming. 
They're all coming. They're all coming, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, not long after we got off the air last last week, I believe it may have ha- actually happened that Wednesday when our show went live um, for all of you to download on your podcast. The world of black cinema and Hollywood in general um, lost another one of its venerable stars when the actress Cecily Tyson uh, passed away uh, last week at the age of 96 years old. Yeah. Cecily Tyson, in a career spanning over seven decades, was known primarily for her portrayal of strong African-American women. She received three Primetime Emmy Awards, four Black Reel Awards, one Screen Actors Guild Award, one Tony Award, which Hmm. she won um, for The Trip to Bountiful, where she won the Tony Award, the Outer Critics Award, and the Drama Desk Award for Black Actress in a Play in 2013. Yeah. She was oh, yeah. 87 years oh, old, yeah. still bringing the funk, bringing the realness. She is uh, very popularly known for being nominated for Academy Award for Best Actress uh, from her uh, depiction of Rebecca Morgan in Sounder in 1972. Mm-hmm. And she is also uh, known for her portrayal of the title role in the 1974 television film, The Autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. Cecily Tyson has uh, been featured on the Michelle Mission, uh, actually only sparingly. I believe we only have reviewed her in one film, uh, Hero Ain't Nothing But a Sandwich. Um, But because of her lifetime of work, her name will definitely be in her career will definitely be revisited uh along this mission as we continue on and uh we sure we share all of your condolences for her family any words you want to share on the passing of cecily tyson no 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 the 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 only thing i will add when when you talked about her winning the tony for trip to bountiful is is just to sort of piggyback that how she really worked until the end Mm mm-hmm like like my one of my favorite performances from her is in the past 10 years where she played um and I forget Viola Davis's character's name in How to Get Away with Murder but she played oh, yeah. that character's mother yeah yeah and and every time she was on there and and remember she's acting opposite Viola Davis she was absolutely electric yeah like the first time she was on there and she talked about basically killing Viola mm-hmm. Davis's father who was abusive. Mm-hmm. It 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 was it was magnificent. So yeah, it's a real loss. It's a real loss. I have to say, talking about programming, you, you, you know, for those of you who wanna know how we do so so February obviously is Black History Month. Um April is Octo- is Octavia April, so that'll be science fiction. May mm-hmm. is Mother Maya, but March is kind of a catch-all. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, you and I, you and I have a couple of films. 
I'm thinking my second film in March will be Bustin' Loose. Oh, which, man. <laughs> which is a film that might not necessarily be that great, but I have very, very, I have a lot of fondness for that film. And part of it is Cecily Tyson in it, so. Well, you just stole my second film from March. <laughs> that, was, that was going to be my second. I know what my first film was going to be. We've talked about that. But right, 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 right. I know I what my th- first I was, I was thinking about like going to Bust and Loose because of Cecily Tyson as well. So, well, I called dibs. You did. You did. So you got it. You got it. Bro. You have to call it. You you can find another one. I will. I I I will. You know what? Hey, there you go. I'll do what have tons of people been waiting for us to do, and we just named it Lethal so Weapon do, Two. Uh, no, Cecily oh. Tyson wasn't in Lethal Weapon Two, or but, was she? Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then, you just have to say that to throw people. <laughs> or was she? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, but this month is Black Western. You didn't finish your thought. You said, you're, you said you'll pick, and then they just named it, and then you didn't finish your thought. Oh, I sure didn't. Uh, I'll, I'll choose Sounder. Excellent. Yeah, there you go. And it'll be it'll be good because I've never seen Sounder. Oh, interesting! I like Sounder. Yeah, here I've heard it, it, nothing but great things about it. Never seen it, so this will be it's like. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's Paul Winfield, Lil Kevin Hooks, Cicely uh, Tyson. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there you go. Well, March is set. All March right, March is now scheduled. All right. Support Black Podcast. Greg Hill presents Minority Trailblazer, the podcast dedicated to minorities who are blazing a trail in a variety of industries such as education, business, comedy, entrepreneurship, and more. Greg's goal is to share their stories in hopes to inspire, educate, and ultimately encourage others to live with purpose and passion. Check out Minority Trailblazer, available on gregehill.com, as well as on SoundCloud and every place that you find good podcasts. Remember, support Black Podcasts. It is February, ladies and gentlemen. It is Black History Month, and for Black History Month, we are celebrating Black Westerns all month long. Um, I'm not sure if we 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 went here last last year because we did westerns last year as well, Vince. Um, but when you think of westerns, yes, is is there a pre- prevailing like image or uh whether it be from a movie or television or what have you that immediately comes to mind and resonates with you probably just an open range okay okay you know just just that just that i mean i'm not a huge john ford fan Mm, but like that 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 john ford open range that Mm -hmm. widescreen expanse mm-hmm. is what i think of when i think of westerns 
Are you a Westerns fan? Do you like Westerns? I don't think I do. Like I was thinking about it today. I like little, you know, you know, I like the, I like the spaghetti Westerns. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Unforgiven. Okay. Okay. So, so you're in Clint, you're in Clint Eastwood town right now. Right. You know, I like the Magnificent Seven, which, mm-hmm. which, you know, we call that a Western. I guess it's really a Western, but, but it really is just Seven Samurai. Right. It's a remake of Seven Samurai. Like you realize it's Seven Samurai once you see Seven Samurai and it's, you know, they just got cowboy hats on. Right. And that's what I mean, because even the spaghetti Westerns don't really follow the form. Like, like I like a, I like a veneer of Western, but I don't okay. know if I necessarily like Westerns. Okay. All right. How about you? I enjoy a good Western. Um, I long ago, even before I learned about his problematic um, history, left the world of John Wayne alone because he's like, you know, for a long time, was like Mr. Western. So the older Westerns, I, you know, kind of like pick and choose the ones right, in there. Right, right, right. Um, but there are more than a few that I, uh, that I enjoy. I love the, um, oh, there's this movie called The, the Gunfighter with um, uh, Charlton, he- not Charlton Heston. Um, oh, I just drew a blank on his name. The man, the man, ugh, God, I don't believe I did this. I don't well, you I'm like here. the man who shot Liberty Valance, of course. No, I don't like the man who shot Liberty Valance. Really? No, I don't. I don't. It's it's okay. I I don't. I don't really dig that. I don't really. Interesting. Dig that. No, 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 no. I like um. Oh, what's the one with um Gary Cooper when he's um he, he's got to find a posse because nobody will come to to rescue him. The, yeah. The, I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, I'm pretty much at the end. My dad used to like Shane. So, like, I know Shane. I didn't see. I didn't like Shane because Alan Ladd was short. He was too short for me. Never thought about Alan Ladd's height before this exact second. <laughs> he was a shorty. Gregory Peck. That was his name. Gregory Peck. Okay. Gregory Peck uh, in, in The Gunfighter. Uh, I, I was a huge fan of that. And then I like, and I, of course, I like Clint Eastwood films and and some some of the more modern westerns you know i'm a, a huge tombstone fan i can watch tombstone like i probably have seen tombstone 20 times with kurt russell and val Kilmer. right but these are like like you don't want to throw the p word around but they, they really like these postmodern westerns well tombstone is, is a western and thank you thank you everybody in the, in the chat high noon is the movie i was trying to think of high noon is the movie with gary cooper I, I, what do you want? What do you want me to do? I hey like man, look. All right, <laughs> you ain't gotta make that face. I like. That. <laughs> I don't really like western. So, but you know what? It's interesting. I, the reason why I asked you that question, was like because... Cat Baloo, like like would Cat Baloo count as a western? I, I, I technically it does. Technically, I like it does. Cat Baloo, and it has an Academy Award at least nominated performance by Lee Marvin in a supporting role in that film. Yeah, see. So, I like condo westerns, um, but the reason I brought that up is because when I actually first think of westerns, mm-hmm. the, Im- the, the image that comes to my mind is the old Lone Ranger cartoon from 1966, which was not a good cartoon. If you try to look at it now, it's not good. 
However, it had a different feel to it because the the backgrounds were done with like cut out cardboard, colored cardboard and construction paper to give it a lot of texture, a lot of heavy inks in there. Um, the the uh, the intro was a lot of silhouettes of the Lone Ranger and Tonto riding across this like blazing red and orange uh, plane. So it was really atmospheric, especially for a 1966 cartoon. But I remembered it because I remembered it being like, because uh, I used to watch it here in Philadelphia. It used to run along on um, the Wee Willie Weber show. They used to run the Lone Ranger cartoons alongside the Batman and Superman cartoons from the from the sixties, and they always look like the Batman and Superman cartoons look like wild colors, and the uh, Lone Ranger cartoons look like real atmospheric. But one day they played the intro to the Lone Ranger ca- cartoon, and it had this intense dialogue, this intense monologue at the beginning, and I was like, man. Even as a kid, it got me stirred up. But when I, I went back to look for it, it's really dark. So I want to share for you, Vince, this monologue from the opening of this Saturday morning kids show, The Lone Ranger from 1966. Okay? Okay. I, I've never even heard of this cartoon. So this is all very exciting to me. Oh, wow. You never heard? All right. I'm going to read I did this not- for you. I'm going to read this for you. This was the intro to the cartoon. Okay. When the factories first began to send their pall of smoke over the cities, the farmlands of the East offered only the barest living. Americans turned their faces towards the West. They poured into the new territory by the thousands, fording the mighty rivers, climbing the mountains, fighting Indians and outlaws, praying toiling, dying. It was <laughs> it was a hard land, a hostile land. Only the strong survived. A new American breed, the pioneer. In this forge, upon this anvil, was hammered out a man who became a legend. Oh, a God. daring and resourceful man who hated thievery and oppression. <laughs> His face masked, his true no- his true name unknown. With his faithful Indian companion at his side, he thundered across the West on his great white stallion, appearing out of nowhere to strike down injustice and outlawry, and then <laughs> vanishing as mysteriously as he came. His sign, a silver bullet. His name, the Lone Ranger. Wow. That came on like after the bugaloos. <laughs> that's that's pretty intense. That's pretty intense. That's pretty for intense a, for a Saturday morning yeah. cartoon. But it was crazy. But thinking of that is what got me to our question for the night, ladies and gentlemen, for all of you out there loving westerns, because I began to wonder. Vincent, yeah, yes, you, yes, yes. If yes. you were a cowboy, if if I was a cowboy, what would your name for your horse be? Probably Midnight. Midnight. Okay. Because I'd have a black horse. 
Oh, so you you definitely say you would have a black horse? I would definitely have a black horse. Okay, and and we'll call him Midnight. Call him Midnight. Wasn't that the name of uh, Zorro's horse? Was it? I, Maybe I, that sounds I feel, right. I feel like there was a famous name, a famous horse. That named sounds Midnight. right. That sounds I mean, right because I did like Zorro, which would count as a western, I would think. I was just about to ask you, would that count as a Western? <laughs> I think, I think any of the incarnations of Zorro. I think they would count as, as, as Westerns. You, we would have yeah, because I love Zorro. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for Zorro too. Yeah, I'll give so. you that. I'll give you that. Um, all right. Well, uh, I was thinking about this and I would name my horse Luno. Now, oh, okay. Here's another. Story time with Len. <laughs> you are really into this cowboy thing, by the way. <laughs> it's ab- it's absolutely charming. <laughs> when I was when I was a wee lad, mm. um, I would uh, you know you know had uh, you know action figures, Superman and Batman, or, and, and what have you. Um, but my mother would never let me bring my action figures to 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 bed with me when I went to sleep because she wanted me okay. to go straight to sleep. So I would kind of like just invent characters while I, you know, in, in, in my bed and I would just like act them out with my hands. So my hands would be Batman and Superman or what have, what have you. Right. Okay. So because your hands start to look the same, it's just the hand. So I tried to put my hand in like different shapes and stuff. <laughs> So I came up with this shape here. I'll put it in front of the camera. This shape right here. And this was an alien horse who came down and joined the Justice League. And I named him for no reason at all. I named him Luno. I had no idea why I named him Luno. That's what his name his name was Luno. He was an alien horse that had superpowers and could fly. Right? Be- because why not? Right. So, in thinking about this question, I said, well, I got to name my horse Luno after, after you know, when I was a kid. But I didn't know how I, you know, I never wrote out Luno. So, I wondered how would you spell Luno? So, I went on Google just to say, well, is there even a Luno out there? Guess what I found out, Vince? Hardcore pornography. Close. What okay. I found out is that, one, you spell Luno, L-U-N-O. Okay. And I found out from 1965, there was a Terry Toon cartoon called Luno, which was okay. about a white horse that flew. I've never seen this cartoon before in my life, as far as I know. But f- or have you? Or have exactly, Vince? <laughs> right there, bruh. Right there, because that obviously sucked into my brain through osmosis when I was a kid. Somewhere along the lines, I saw Luno, and thus I, this my horse, my alien horse, became Luno, and now my cowboy horse will forever be. Luna. And you know who voiced that cartoon? Cicely Tyson. 
And that's how we bring it all together. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Vince. <laughs> that was too on time. Uh, we did ask the the uh, missionaries. <laughs> You're insane. We did ask the missionaries uh, the, th- that same question. Uh, if they had a horse, what would they name their, if they were a cowboy, what would they name their horse? We got a couple of responses. Ryan Smallwood said that he would name his horse Booker T. Okay. Which I think is, uh, he said it was the name of Ben Rame's horse in Rosewood. And he, oh. he needs a horse like that. Uh, so I, I can, I can ride with that. Um, Gregory Green said, I would name my horse pal as in my pal. Okay. All right. All right. Makes I sense. I like that as well. Um, I just saw oh, Robert Monroe corrected us. Zorro's horse's name was Tornado. Okay. So thank you very much for that, Robert. Uh, and Van Everett said, I'm going to use the porn star name method to come up with my horse's name. Um, so my first pet plus my neighborhood I grew up in, and thus okay. his horse his horse's name would be Max Tanglewood. <laughs> there you go. Well, well, ask a silly question. There you, you go. You get a silly answer. Thank you, Max, uh, and thank you one and all, ladies and gentlemen, for indulging me. On my little yes horse escapade, your your cowboy journey, my journey. All right, uh, we've got a whole month of this, so yes, <laughs> saddle up, saddle right. up indeed. All right, but right now it is time for us to get into our review of Harlem Rides the Range. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. The Range, a 1939 Western featuring an all-black cast in this tale of a cowboy who helps his girlfriend's father defend his radium mine, starring famed singer Herb Jeffries, Spencer Williams, I'm sorry, Lucius Brooks as his partner Dusty, 
an array of other black actors, including Flournoy Miller of Miller's and Hines, who also co-wrote the script. Harlem Rides the Range is directed by Richard C. Kahn and the screenplay again by Flournoy Miller and Spencer Williams was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, what would you like to say about 1939's Harlem Rides the Range? Well, before I tell you about Harlem <clears throat> Rides the Range from 1939, ladies and gentlemen, which is available for you to watch for free on YouTube if you ever want to check it out, I want to introduce you, spend a couple of minutes talking about um, a, uh, 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 an unseen art form in movie making, but a very vital part in movie making, a, a very vital role to every successful film. And that, alongside with the director, the screenwriter, the actors, the cinematographer, the lighting guy, is the Foley artist. Now, what mm. is the Foley artist you're going to ask, ladies and gentlemen? I, I see you asking. I'm going to tell you right now. The Foley artist is the, the person who uh, creates the reproduction of everyday sound effects that are added to films oh. and videos and other media in post-production. Uh, these sound effects, which are named after the sound effects artist Jack Foley, uh, which is where the, the whole idea of Foley artist came to be, uh, can be anything from maybe the swishing of clothes or footsteps or squeaky doors or breaking uh, breaking of glass. Uh, anytime you hear uh, that stuff in movies, and this is dating all the way back to the days of radio, there is somebody that is artificially enhancing that sound because more often than not the microphones that are being used in the making of the film are not sensitive enough to capture those sound effects and um, that th those natural sounds and being unable to capture those sounds you have someone go in and post-production and reproduce this to just give your film that much more of a, a feel of, 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 you know, reality, a sense of reality, a sense of that you are, you are uh, in the world that they are trying to create. Okay. It's a very vital part of every movie making experience. Like I said, it's been, it dates back to the early days of radio when they would have radio dramas and there would be somebody there uh, creating the sound effects of opening doors and, and such, and they took that to the movies. And it's been happening since the movies got sound in the early, uh, in the late 20s and early 30s, right? Why do I bring up the Foley artists? Because one of the things that the Foley artists would add to any film, especially a Western, is the sound of the clip and the clop of the horse walking on the along the trail, even so much when the horses are running along the trail. And most importantly, when, as in every good Western, 
the white hat good guy and mm-hmm. the black hat bad guy get the tussling and the wrestling and the punching and and the kicking. That's when the folio artist comes hard into play, adding all of the swishing of the clothes and the the smacking of hands against flesh and hats flying off and 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 feet kicking up dirt all over the place just adding to the ambiance of the scene that you are watching in a silent film you're fine when you don't have that because you don't expect to hear it because it's a silent film but in a film that has sound more often than not that just level of sound effects can make a good fight turned from, oh my God, look at them banging banging it out to, oh my God, look at those wild swings at nothing. And that is what happens in the not one, not two, not three, four fights that happen in Harlem Rides the Range. There is swinging there are strikes all over the place man everybody is striking out and there there is there is a punch that somebody throws at someone from it must be a whole human person away and you do, and the guy goes flying out of this out of the screen he never hit him. And you know, because there was no smack, there's no sound. Never have I missed a Foley artist so much as when I was watching Harlem Rise the Range. Don't get me wrong. This is from 1939. 1939, when if you were a black actor at, at that time, mm-hmm. you took whatever means necessary by way of uh, equipment, location, uh, and sometimes actors to make the film that you wanted to make. Okay, so I, I'm you're, you're not going in here and expecting that you're going to get you know Gone with the Wind or Citizen Kane, uh, two other films that were made in around this time. That being said, I just wanted to hear the punches getting get connecting. <laughs> That's all. In, in the good Western, I just want to hear the punches connecting. You know, I want to he- I want to hear the guns being shot. I don't want the guns just to be being pointed and then you don't hear them being shot because they realize, oh, we don't really have a sound effect. So we're just not going to shoot, you know, shoot the guns until at the end when you hear the same gunshot about 20 different times. I checked it out. I listened. That's my one big nitpick for Harlem Rise to Range. And I wanted to lead with that to get that out of the way. Okay? Because okay. at the end of the day, this is just some the, the black actors of the day leading with Her, Herbert Jeffries getting an opportunity to have fun on a black dude ranch. The story of where mm-hmm. this fi- this film is made is even more interesting than the film itself. But you got you you cannot watch this film and not at least in some way be impressed with 
Herb Jeffries, who was the lead mm. of this film. He strikes a very striking figure dipped in black with his white kerchief, his white hat, his white stallion that he rides rides across the range um from every from everything that i could find he's doing his own riding on, oh, yeah. on the horse i mean he is you know he's accomplished you know horseman in that way this is the i believe the fourth of four westerns that he made at this at this dude ranch um he was making his making his name as like this singing brother you know the singing cow brother you know what i mean mm -hmm. um he he's not a bad looking guy he you know can warble a halfway decent tune uh he's not listen i don't find him to be the most charismatic person in the world but he probably is more charismatic than a lot of the other people in this film except one who i'll get i'll get to but I'm not mad at him for at a time when Westerns are big in the populace. Westerns are very big in, in the early part of the, the in the 1930s. Um, they are big on, on, on the, in the, on the screen where they be like the little, um, uh, 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 uh the serial films that you have, like, you know, Lone Rangers and even Zorro at that time, or if they were just big, long feature length films, Westerns are big. And he's trying to give his audience, the black audience, their interpretation, let them see that the Cowboys did exist in these times as, as well, which we did. We all know about the stories of the Buffalo soldiers and things of, of that nature. So I'm not, I'm not mad at the brother at all. Right. The story the story of Harlem rides. I mean, does Harlem ride the range, ladies and gentlemen? No, it's just <laughs> it just means that there's black guys on the range. It's not. It's not. This is not a western that's set in the in the middle of New York. Um, it's set out on, no, actually in the range. Um, it's it's formulaic in that you know. Herb Jeffries is the big hero, even though I've never heard a cowboy named Bob, but his name is Bob. It's just, just came off a little weird. He's got his sidekick, Dusty, who is definitely the comedic sidekick, um, mm. of this, of this film. And he, he know, he plays his role as much as he, as much as he can. Uh, they've got the big bad. It's, you know, I got to take your oil rights and want to steal your land. And then, you know, you can just basically see like the mustache twirling on these guys. Um, it's there's back and forth about. I'm going to take your land. No, you're not. Well, we're going mm -hmm. to stand with you. Somebody gets framed for murder. How do you get framed for murder? Because he left the glove. I could go back and forth, but there's plot holes plenty in here, but it ain't about the plot holes. It's just about these people being out on the range, having a good time, creating a Western for people uh, to come to the movie theater and while away, what? I think the movie's maybe 50, 55 minutes. Um, yeah, including to, the credits. Ex including the credits, mm -hmm. just to have a good, just to have a good time and see yourself out on the open range. And to that i say god bless them uh this film was made at the murray's ranch or sometimes called the overall wearing dude ranch out in bell mountain california this is actually a ranch 
that was owned and operated by uh, Noli and Leela Murray, two African-American business people in That's Los right. Angeles, prominent That's people right. uh, uh, in Los Angeles. They owned and operated this dude ranch for 20 years with um, as a place for, you know, uh, uh, people from the inner city to come out to vacation to just have a good time there was pools and tennis courts um there for for years um it 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 read that in the 1920s when widespread segregation limited the places that black californians could go as far as like private and public or recreational facilities murray's dude ranch was opened as a place for them to to go to and just be free just be one with their own people and had many entertainers of the day that would come to the the dude ranch uh either just to vacation or there sometimes to even entertain uh lena horn kate smith Joe Lewis, Hattie McDaniels, uh, Louise Beaver, and even Clark Gable at one time uh, visited uh, the Murray's Dude Ranch. So this was hail territory where this film was made. And, you know, we we, we review movies here, um, but I I think it goes without saying that films from this era just the fact that they made the films just the fact that they they dared to give us um media that treated black people respectfully let us let us see ourselves in different lights whether or not we are the villains whether or not we are the heroes whether or not we are the comic foils in these films we we are allowed to view the uh the the wide range of scopes and and personalities that are are illustrated in the black community even yes in the 1930s uh and by giving you a little piece of escapist western fair i ain't going to judge this too hard, harshly i mean it was cool. It was cool. It was 55 minutes of, of just sitting there and going back to a, an, another time. Was, the, was it greatly written? Not not really. Um, did you get a, a... Could you see that possibly there was a star on the rise in Herbert Jeffries? I don't know. Like I said, I didn't really see the, the charisma in the brother. I did see the charisma in one Spencer Williams who played Mr. Watson in this film and then would uh, also played Andy on the Amos and Andy show on, on television and as well was a pioneering uh, producer and writer of, uh, of note on his own. He helped write this film, help and write, produce this film. Mm-hmm. It ain't the greatest writing, but this is, this is where you, you know, you, you pay your dues and you, mm-hmm. and you, and you, you get started. And so I'm not even going to judge, Judge him harshly on being here. Uh, it is what it was. It, w- it was it was fun enough. I didn't. It wasn't a waste of time. Like I said, it was a time portal back into an, another day, another age, and um, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I 
I, I pretty much feel the same. It's a snapshot. Right. It, it's a snapshot from 1939. Herb Jeffries, you know, I will say this. You didn't mention it, and it's worth noting. It is an all-black cast, but the color politics are a little icky. Mm-hmm. As far as, you know, Herb Jeffries is a tall, lighter-skinned man. Um, Lucius Brooks is a shorter, dark-skinned man. And he is That's dusty. That's yeah. dusty, his sidekick. And the contrast between them doesn't age that well. But it's 1939. Uh, for his part, I think Herb Jeffries, much like you, is he's 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 made for this kind of role Mm -hmm. he's you know he's a tall he's good looking guy he can halfway sing uh as you mentioned he does his own stunts like like that's very much him on the horse of florny artists what kind of artists are they foley foley artists foley artists aside there are one or two of those tussles that herb jeffries looked like he was tussling well, that's true because he does jump off the horse onto right, and land right. on somebody. And, and, I will and, say that that's true. Like, like there's a fight out in the in the desert where they're rolling around, mm-hmm. where he looks like he's rolling around. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, I give him credit for that. Much like you, I appreciate color politics aside, the wide array of roles that african-americans hold in this film this is an all-black cast so the sheriff is black the 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 owner of 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 the the ranches are black mm-hmm. the the bad the bad guy, guy is guys black. The bad guys black and the light skin is well. black you know everybody is black in here so i appreciated that uh much like you i like the documentation of people like, as you mentioned, Spencer Williams, I've mentioned him before, uh, Florney Miller. I cannot find anything to point to him, but I know Miller and Lyles, their big thing as a comedy duo was finishing each other's sentences. Mm. And we have referenced a bit twice. There's a bit that um, Mantan and Sleeping Eat do and bamboozled where they're right. describing something but but they finished you oh i oh i think oh that's a little bit too high yeah, well how about the yeah. oh that's a little bit too sweet and we actually saw that bit and i think stormy weather i think so yeah and i yeah. thought that was florney in 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 um i thought that was miller and lyles hmm. now i can't find that but i know that kind of real you know, quick patter back and forth mm-hmm. is something that you want to say they came up with. It like it's you know the the most famous version of that bit is "Who's on First by Abbott and Costello. Yeah, but the bit I'm talking about is faster. That's a lot more faster. precise because they because they like you said they're actually finishing their sentences. Right, and Abbott and Costello is just rapid fire, but it right, is and it's just sentences. rapid fire. And and I like Florney Miller. Uh, like you, I like Spencer Williams. Or like I appreciate that talent. Mm-hmm. So it's always good to see them in something that, even though they're not the stars, they're in it. And yeah. and and just for that alone, it it's worth um, mentioning. As you said, it's fifty five minutes. 
it's it it's 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 strange. It's strange to call Herb Jeffries Bob Blake the leading man because there's no woman in it until five minutes before it goes off, which is always that's like it's always kind of weird to me about cowboy. Like to me, cowboy movies like that homoeroticism is like right under the surface. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those films where it's right there. Like there's a moment where where Bob is singing a song in the um in in the bunk in the mm-hmm. bunks with the other guys and he's singing this song and they, oh Bob sings the song and he sings the song and he says oh I'll sing one song and then we'll all go to you know go to bed we got to get up and work early but like they all start undressing as he's singing the song yeah that's true that's true and it was just weird to it was just it was just a moment that made me go huh that's exactly what I'm talking about and well, then, like I, want- I said <laughs> When the woman shows up, like she shows up at the end, and it's almost like you can feel the script going. We got to get a woman in here somehow. Well, it, it actually makes it made me think <laughs> along those same lines because the woman that shows up five minutes at the end, she's uh, foreshadowed earlier in the film because when Bob and Dusty uh, go to this ranch, Bob sees her picture in in the ranch and falls in love with her picture so much so that he steals her picture and then all of the songs that he is singing throughout the rest of the rest of the movie because he doesn't sing up until this point but then after that all of his songs are we are meant to um believe that he is singing these songs about or you know in some far off way to this woman who he has fallen in love with just from her picture. Well, except for the song I'm talking about where he's very clearly singing to the men. Oh, because, yeah, because they're talking about... Because yeah, the men said, sing about- us a song, Bob! And then, like I said, everyone starts undressing as he's singing the song. Which I just thought was a strange choice. I'll give you so, that. So, if you're looking for that kind of thing... <laughs> See... I wasn't. I wasn't gonna judge. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I'm watching it. And it's like huh, that's that's an interesting choice to have them start to disrobe as he's singing. <laughs> Am I making that up? Like, is that not what happened? You're not making it up. I just wasn't. It. it I guess maybe. I, it didn't resonate. I don't want to spend a whole lot. I just wanted to point it out because, again, he is the leading man. And, you know, back to our, our conversation earlier about cowboy movies and westerns as a form. Mm-hmm. This is something that you see where they shoehorn this a woman, woman in, into the narrative because otherwise, you know, heaven forbid you think that somebody is gay. Right. So there's that. But. You know, it's it's harmless. Yeah. It, you know, it's harmless. It's harmless. You know, it's Harlem and it's riding the range. It's it's Harlem riding the range, not to be confused with Harlem on the Prairie. Right. Which from I'm a few actually, years previous, which was um apparently the first black cowboy movie. Right. And apparently was even more of a musical from what I understand. So right. 
This one has like about three or four songs, maybe three. Um, I think that one had a lot more. I'm kind of glad I didn't because I'm not, you know, I don't know if I could have sat through like a whole musical. But um, yeah, but we'll get to it eventually. We'll get to it maybe next year. Maybe next year. Like when you said that Herb Jeffries had made four Westerns on this at this uh, ranch. I said, oh boy, we got stuff for years. <laughs> we got Herb's going. Herb's going to be with us for a long time. Herb's here on the be, mission. Interesting guy too. I don't know how much you read about him, but but he's one of these guys that his racial background is just chaotic. No, I didn't. I didn't even get that. Yeah, yeah. He's you know he's one of these guys like 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 my my dad is this kind of background. My mom is that kind of background, and they told me I was a lighter skinned black man, but. This man was my adopted dad, and then when like he was older, he said he was white, like one of them dudes. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. I know. But, you I'm know, looking- race politics in the early 20th century is also fascinating. Well, do you know what Herb Jeffries' uh, his birth name was? I do not. Herb Jeffries was born Umberto Alexander Valentino. Right, because he said his dad was Spanish. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he was his father was his father, whom he never knew was a a mix actually of Sicilian, French, Italian, and Moorish roots. What is uh, that? That's a mutt. Um, <laughs> nice. That's nice. That's it's not nice. Uh, his mother was a white Irish mother, uh, <laughs> and his paternal great grandmother was an Ethiopian with the surname <laughs> of Carrie. Or at least that's what he told people. Yeah, he 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 described himself once in an interview as a three eighths Negro, claiming pride in an African American <laughs> heritage during a period where many light skinned black performers were attempting to pass as all white. Um, but he, in marked contrast, Jeffries used makeup to darken his skin in order right. to, pursue, to pursue a career in jazz and to be seen as employable by the leading all black musical ensembles of the day. All right, all right, okay, all right. So there you go. This is this is a nice spotlight on Herb Jeffries. This is uh very, very interesting. This uh <laughs> oh he's lived a lot. Oh, I, I got it. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Later in his career, Jeffries <laughs> identified as white for for economic or highly personal reasons. Jet Magazine uh reported. That Jeffries identified as white and stated his real name as Herbert Jeffrey Ball on an application to marry Tempest Storm in 1959. What he told the reporter from Jet, I'm not passing. I never have. I never will. For all these years, I've been wavering about the color question on the blanks. Suddenly, I decided to fill in the blank the way I look and feel. Look at my blue eyes. Look at my brown hair. Look at my color. What color do you see? My my mother was 100% white, Jeffrey said, his blue eyes glinting in the New York sun. My father is Portuguese, (laughs) Spanish, American Indian 
Indian and Negro, how in the hell can I identify myself as one race or another? Herb Jeffries. Herb Jeffries. The tapioca troubadour. Yes. But here on the Michelle Mission, he's known as the sensational singing cowboy. <laughs> so, seem a little vague, a little squishy, but you know how we do. This is a yeah. binary question. Would you recommend Harlem? Wait, is it Harlem Rods again? Harlem Rides the Range. Harlem no. Rods the Range. Would you recommend Harlem Rods the Range? I knew Harlem was in there because it's black people. Would you recommend Harlem Rides the Range? Um, no, I can't. Re- I can't. I can't really? recommend. This. I can't recommend this film. It's it's a harmless film. So if you find yourself uh, lucking onto it, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Go with God. But I can't recommend you watch this film. I don't think I. I don't think that this film, for as harmly as it as it is. I don't found, find it either educational enough or entertaining enough to recommend for someone to go out and watch this film. I think I agree with you. And this is why I think I agree with you. This is not the first or second black cowboy film I've seen from the late 30s, early to mid 40s. Now, I cannot put my finger on the films that I have seen. Mm -hmm. But I seem to remember them being better than this. Mm -hmm. So what I will say is this. Right now, I recommend it just because we've not watched a better film from the late 30s mid mid 40s that's a black cowboy movie i suspect because we haven't watched any other black cowboy movie from this film from this period but i suspect as soon as we watch one and i want to like i could have swore oscar michelle made a cowboy movie no he didn't he didn't i actually looked up in his filmography he did not Ah, you are going to make me dig in my basement. I know I have some VHS tapes with some black cowboy movies from like the 40s. Like I said, this is on this on on the DVD that I have this on. It is uh, on a DVD with Murder in Harlem, which is an Oscar Micheaux film. So they're put together on a DVD. So you may have some DVDs that have an Oscar Micheaux film on it. With right. another Western. And the problem is they put Harlem in everything <laughs> to let you much. know it's black people. Right. Harlem in space. Harlem deep sea divers. Harlem at the opera. <laughs> Jungle Harlem. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Jungle Harlem. Eating chicken. <laughs> But no, I I don't think I don't think I would recommend it either. Really. Yeah. 
Nah, I right. would I, I would strongly suggest people look up some Miller and Lyles though. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. So, so right. there you have it. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week here in Black History Month as we celebrate Black Westerns, I and Vincent invite you all who are checking out the podcast to go tell a friend about the podcast, especially this month. Because for Black History Month, the Michelle Mission is featured alongside tons of very cool very enlightening black podcast uh, for Black History Month. We are one of the featured podcasts on Stitcher Radio, as well as TuneIn and iHeartRadio. Um, it, it is a pleasure and an honor to for us to sit alongside those other podcasts that are being featured on those platforms. So look for our show. And while you're at it, go support another black podcast. Go check them out. Support Black Podcasts. Podcasting is quickly becoming one of the most vital media forces in the industry, especially uh, in 2020, as everybody has been stuck inside. But if you believe the world at large, podcasting is only some white guy talking about talking about stuff from his basement. So if you find a black <laughs> podcast, ladies and gentlemen, go support black podcast, you know, please. Oh, uh, this do. is Todd. And this is lunchbox talk with Todd. <laughs> Today, ham and cheese. <laughs> We're just playing Todd. We love lunchbox talk. No, we don't. So, um, so please do that. Uh, the Michelle Mission is available in an edited form as a radio show on WPPM LP 106.5 FM Philly Cam. Philly Cam. People Power Media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can also wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. The Michelle Mission is also a proud member of the Podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com, curated podcast for your listening pleasure and check them out they've got cool podcasts over there as well you can email all of your thoughts and concerns to the michelle mission at michelle mission at gmail.com michelle is spelled m-i-c-h-e-a-u-x-m-i-s-s-i-o-n like and follow the michelle mission on all social media instagram facebook and twitter subscribe to the michelle mission on youtube at me show mission. And if you really want to help the show, you can first go to your pod podcast platform of choice and leave us a five star rating and a review because that helps people find the show. And you can go to our website, michelmission.com, hit swag and check out all of the cool designs that we have there for your uh, purchasing because that helps us keep the show for free. All of those cool t-shirts and mugs and stuff brought to you by our good friends at T Public. Check it out. We've got an, a new Old West design that we just premiered this week. So you can check that out as as well. All right. Okie dokie. 
Next week here on the Michelle Mission, we move further up into the 20th century, ladies and gentlemen, and we stop at one of Vince's favorite years of all time. That's right. We're back in the 70s groove, and we're in 1974 with Vince's film featuring the venerable Max Julian and the ever sensational Vanetta McKee. Yes. Thomasine and Bushrod from 1974. A different kind of Western brought to you by (laughs) Gordon Parks Jr. Yes, that's right. That's That's right. right. And we'll be reviewing it next week here on the Michaud Mission. Until then, he's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say... We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.